Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health. This is a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technologies. I am your host, Kiasha Zaitz. Do you remember the connected scale? It came to the market in 2009 by a French company called Withings. By today, the company created a number of connected health devices. A digital thermometer, wireless blood pressure cuff, a mat to detect sleep apnea, and a smartwatch with ECG and sleep apnea monitoring, which was released in 2020. WeThinks is far from only a B2C company. The company is serious about accelerating its presence in the clinical space. That is why a special B2B division for health professionals was established in 2019. In this episode, you're going to hear from the CEO of WeThinks, Mathieu Letombe. He talked about the landscape of connected health devices, quantification of health, and also how companies can attract doctors to work with them given the busy schedules clinicians have. I hope you will enjoy the show and if you are interested in more content, go to www.facesofdigitalhealth.com to browse through other episodes as well. Now, to Matthew. Matthew, one thing. So, WeThings is producing wearable and smart devices, IT devices, among them a digital thermometer. How much have the sales skyrocketed because of COVID and probably more people worried about their temperature? It has really increased starting from uh, February, I would say, when the pandemic kind of uh, started in, in China. We've seen maybe uh, the demand multiplied by 50 compared to what we are usually selling. Um, it was kind of hard to cope in terms of production in order to be able to manufacture as many thermometers as we as we would need for the demands. But yeah, it, it really increased both for our uh, consumer market, so people willing to take their temperature, but also for enterprise, for hospitals that wanted to be able to measure temperature for their employees or for people entering hospitals. As we have a, a non-contact device, it can be used on several people uh, in the same day. So the, the demand really skyrocketed and it was actually hard to cope with the demand. Do you do any analysis of the data that consumers and enterprises uh, take? I think it, it might be interesting to see what trends you could detect with that data. I think the, the, the trend kind of match the cases, I mean, the, the ratio of symptomatic people. Uh, once again, lots of people are being tested uh, as positive, but don't feel anything or don't feel uh, all the symptoms. Uh, you can like lose taste and, and, you know, smell without having any temperature increase. So we saw an increase, but uh, not as big as the number of positive cases, obviously, because once again, temperature is not, is, is not a symptom for every positive case. But we saw an increase for sure, especially during this period where uh, flu is not that common anymore uh, during the summer or during uh, spring. So we've seen that increase uh, indeed. 
So before we continue with the discussion about all the devices that the company has and the progress it has made, let's go a little bit back. So WeThings is not a new company. You are quite an old player in the field and you've actually been with WeThings for almost five years before going to the digital department at Nokia. And then you returned to WeThings, which you are now the CEO of. So can you tell me a little bit about the transitions. How was it to work for Nokia? Was it more advanced in the digital health sense compared to WeThings? And what kind of state was uh, WeThings when you became the CEO? I've been working for WeThings for uh, nine years now. So I was part of the first part of WeThings, then then the, the Nokia period. To describe the Nokia period, I think uh, the advantage of Nokia was uh, the resources they were looking forward to add uh, to we things to really scale up uh, more quickly than than when we were a startup and they didn't have any digital health experience per se uh, they have a strong brand name they have a strong b2c experience when it comes to to phones but i wouldn't say they had any specific digital health experience i think they were more uh, looking forward adding resources the resources of a big company in order to hit uh, the market a bit stronger. I'd say the only issue is that Nokia wasn't a B2C company anymore. They were more of a 5G network company. So the two business didn't fit uh, really well between each other. So after a year, a year and a half, um, they decided to uh, completely stop their B2C division. Uh, there was other companies in this B2C division. They had uh, VR technologies. They had, uh, they had other technology, but they decided to stop every, uh, everything about B2C. Uh, so two years ago, the original founder of WeThink bought the company back from Nokia. The first goal was to, to reorganize ourselves because obviously we had a lot of dependence in, uh, with Nokia. And then it was to understand what we wanted to go, what, what we wanted to do now. And we decided to, to pivot, to slightly pivot on two levels, only uh, manufacturing and designing medical devices, not only wellness devices as we were doing in the past, but really uh, only develop devices with medical features on it and to also look for a new kind of business market which would not only be uh, selling our devices uh, in stores like Amazon, Apple, uh, Best Buy and so on but also look for the healthcare industry that was contacting us more and more about being able to use our devices in the patient life uh, be it like uh, through an hospital or through a healthcare program, a diabetes prevention program, all those players starting to contact us uh, as we were kind of increasing our brand awareness through B2C. And we decided to open ourselves to this new market. Uh, and this is what we have been doing for the past two years now. So the demand actually came before the idea. You actually got the demand from the market to decide where you're going to go. I think we had the idea for quite a while because we knew that at some point those devices that can be used directly at the home of someone would have added value for the, the medical community as a whole. But it seems that five years ago when we had the idea is what a bit too soon uh, for them to take that steps. And the good thing is that uh, during the Nokia period, lots of things change into uh, the way professionals were uh, looking forward using those devices. There have been a lot of change in the law, especially in the US, on the fact that things should be more digital than before. 
And when we when we bought the company back from Nokia, it, it was the right time. So I wouldn't say the, 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 the idea didn't come first because we had it, but I think that the market became ready by, by, by that time. Makes total sense. So in 2019, you devised a B2B division for health professionals. And um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? So what does this division do? What is the structure of uh, the employees there? You are also planning to add 100 new positions in the US and France because you recently announced a 60 million uh, funding round. So a lot is happening on your end. Yeah, exactly. So this B2B division, we understood that those healthcare players, even though they have a common need with regard to getting medical data coming from the home of the patient, they also have specific needs. They also have specific sales cycle. So we decided to build this division with a dedicated sales and marketing team that would learn how to speak and how to kind of explain our added value to those people. And then we also, inside of this division, dedicated uh, engineer resources in order to develop the specific solution those kind of players would need. For example, we, we developed a 4G uh, hub that connects all our devices uh, to 4G, uh, meaning that you don't need to install the devices on your Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, that you don't need, you don't even need a smartphone. And that way, We are helping a hospital, we are helping remote patient monitoring program to really ease the way you should use our product uh, without any friction to also target new kind of population. So for example, 65 years old plus people that are really at risk for many, many chronic conditions and that might not be as tech savvy as our existing uh, customers. Uh, we, we developed specific uh, solution for them. Hence, it requires some engineering uh, resources as well. So it's kind of uh, all the resources we have for our main business, but dedicated to the to the to the B 2 B division. And as you said, part of the the 100 resources we will recruit over the the, the next six months will be dedicated to scale this division up, especially uh, in the US through our sales and marketing. Uh, recruitment plan. So are any of those 100 new positions going to be filled by clinicians or healthcare workers? We do have already some physicians working for us. This, is, this has been one of our first move after the acquisition. We recruited uh, six physicians, six doctors that worked in Paris on several types of specialty, cardiology, sleep expert, diabetes, and so on. The idea for, for those recruitment was to make sure that we were developing uh, devices or solutions that made sense for the patient, but also for the health professional. Uh, we have a chief medical officer uh, position that we opened since the, uh, the fundraising in the US. So we really want to accelerate on the clinical part. And we are also recruiting in our sales resources, uh, people that are specialized in some verticals can be pharma, it can be insurer, it can be a, a clinic, a remote patient monitoring. So we, we, we are building this team with uh, expertise in order to, uh, to, uh, to grow quickly. So in general, what is your experience with uh, doctors? I imagine that those that you employed, you know, it's 
obviously they're working for you now full time, but in general, uh, given that you are moving into B2B space and hospitals and hospital enterprises, do you also approach um, healthcare workers there, doctors? Because, you know, from the industry perspective, first of all, doctors are extremely busy. And second of all, uh, there are so many solutions out there these days that it's hard to get doctors to trust you when you are coming from the industry side. What's your experience in that regard? First of all, a lot of doctors uh, are working in clinic in the US. Uh, so we don't want to target every uh, every uh, doctor. But I mean, we, we are speaking to a clinic or group of clinic or group of hospitals in the US directly. A lot of them know us. A lot of them use our product themselves. And once again, I agree with you that there might be some friction with with that part of the medical world. But I think it was more true two years ago. No, they they they, they understood the interest of digitalizing a lot of things. I think that the COVID pandemic really highlighted uh, the need of that. Obviously, there are some people that, I mean, will be reluctant to that change. But once again, we are getting many contacts of people that understood that change already and, and are willing to work with us. We actually build a, a medical advisory board that we announce along with the fundraising. We have uh, on board, we have John Alamka, who is the president of the Mayo Clinic platform, which is like one of the biggest hospital in the world. We have uh, someone from France that is the head of uh, pharmacology and uh, cardiology in, in one of the biggest European hospital. So if you work and talk with the right people that understood that that change is needed and critical to, to, to be able to help people Uh, monitor or support them in their health. I think it's easier than trying to convince at all costs uh, people that might not be into it. So I think it's just working with the right people that have the same vision. And most likely those people will have the power to make things change at their level and will uh, will help us getting this credibility we, uh, we need. You mentioned yourself that you have qu some quite reputable experts uh, on your team or board uh, or as advisors. Uh, perhaps a piece of advice here. What would you uh, advise young companies and startups? How can they approach or get the those kind of profiles, those kind of experts to collaborate with them. How did you approach that? You? We contacted them on LinkedIn, I think. <laughs> the, the good thing is that they were using our devices already. They were convinced by the technology. They were actually uh, really happy to work with us. It's not like a, an employee relationship at all. We are, we are each other helping us. Helping, helping ourselves into the vision and what we see. Did you hear about that? So I think it's also Uh, making sure that you advise them at some point on, on what will be the future of technology. So uh, their ideas and our ideas kind of find a, a fit uh, for the future of what we could do together. So I think it's uh, it's not to be afraid to ask first. And the second thing is also to explain what kind of added value you can have for them by sharing with them your vision and also the progress of the company. So those advisors, for example, they are aware of our roadmap and they can influence it. They can have an impact on our roadmap. And I think that's that's the beauty of advising someone or a company is to also not only give advice, but to see the impact you can have and also receive from the, 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 the people you are you are advising. 
You mentioned yourself that the digital health market has matured in the last few years and we've seen the entrance of big players such as Apple and Google into the healthcare space and uh, Apple especially has caught a lot of attention with the Apple Watch which has an ECG and um, other features that are related to health. So I wonder, you know, how do you see those players? Do you wish to be acquired by them on some timeline, uh, some point in time, or, you know, they're big players. So I just wonder if you are worried about the competition and how do you differentiate from other providers of solutions like yours on the market? When we saw the Apple Watch first, we, we were actually working on the on, the, on an ECG watch as well. And, and I think it was a, a really good thing. I think that. First of all, you don't want to be the only one on your market. Uh, I think that competition is good and competition force you to, to, to improve. And having people like uh, companies like Apple or Google being on the same side, I'd say, is really important to us. Uh, I think the keynote from, from Apple on the, on the ECG watch kind of explain uh, atrial fibrillation and what an ECG is to the world. And I think that there is no better uh, help when, when you are working on the, on the same things. I think we, we don't have, we don't have the same DNA though. If you take the Apple watch, for example, it's, it's a really uh, impressive watch, but it's, it's more of a, of a phone you have or an iPhone you have on your wrist. It does many, many things that we are not willing to do. Uh, on our side, we are, Focusing on, on making enticing devices that looks like a watch. For example, if I take the example of the watch with a really long battery life, the watch has 30 days worth of battery life, but with limited feature, meaning that you won't be able to order a Uber uh, with our watch. Uh, but our DNA is to have product that last product that have strong uh, engagement and retention. And I think that the design the connectivity and the fact that we have strong battery life really help us do that. We have like unmatched engagement and retention rate on our devices. And I think that that was a good thing for our B2C market. But now it's, it's becoming even more critical for the B2B because the B2B players, they want healthcare programs, uh, hospital. They want to help people monitor or prevent a disease. And you don't do that on three months or you don't do that on six months. You do that on, on decades. And lots of our products are, are, are still used uh, 10 years after the, the, the acquisition of the scales, for example. Uh, this is what we target. This is how we differentiate. And, and this is why I don't believe we are competing uh, like closely from Apple or Google. And I think that each of us has, has its own room in, in this disrupting this, uh, this health market. So to which extent do you collaborate, or maybe that's not the best word, but to which extent are you compatible with other solutions on the market? So for example, I saw that uh, some of your solutions only work in combination with other solutions that you provide. But uh, for example, if I already have an Apple Watch, are you thinking in the direction where another solution that is supposed to work with your watch could also work with a competitor's watch? First of all, all our devices and all our data, they are available in our API, meaning that any partner, any application, any professional could retrieve those data uh, if the patient uh, uh, gives his consent. 
So from the beginning, we decided that we should let our users do whatever they want with the data. So we build this API in order for them to be able to share their data instantly. Whenever they wait, it can be sent to someone else, to MyFitnessPal, to their doctors, to uh, whoever wants the data. Uh, then we have to build solutions specific to the B2B division. So we build a, a patient to physician uh, um, monitoring platform in order to uh, to be able to deliver that platform for remote patient monitoring. Uh, and obviously, we had to first make it available on our devices. I'm pretty sure that later on, we will be able to use other devices uh, and, and get their data into our platform. That's just a matter of time because we don't want to be, you know, a closed uh, environment. Uh, but this is why we, we first start with our devices and, and then we will most likely open, open ourselves to other devices. WeThinks offers a variety of products for the quantified self. We mentioned the watch. You have a mat for measuring or detecting sleep apnea, a smart scale, a smart thermometer, which we started the conversation with. So I wonder, do you know how many users are actually doing the quantification in an almost scientific manner. So actually taking measurements and analyzing the data. So do you have any data on how data is used by, by the consumers? You also mentioned that it can be shared if the customer decides to do that. It's really interesting that most of our users, they are really uh, data enthusiasts. We have uh, our application is open uh, around 20 times uh, a month. And the, the more data you retrieve from a device or a combination of device, the more people will look at, the, at their data. If you take the example of the sleep mat, that, that measure sleep apnea, but also sleep cycle, respiration rate, heart rate, so lots of data. This is the product we have the most uh, engagement on in terms of opening the application. So I think that they are really data enthusiastic. Then, if you want people to properly use your devices, you need to kind of enter their routine. Uh, otherwise, they will stop using the device. And I think that it comes up to the same thing I mentioned before, which is uh, design, seamless connectivity, and long battery life. When you have that, you, are, you remove all the friction. And even design can be a friction, because if you are using a medical device that looks like a medical device, you don't necessarily want to use it because it kind of reminds you that you are sick or that you could be sick. Uh, if you have a, a beautiful design and lots of people are, uh, I, I got tons of feedback from people that uh, use our blood pressure and actually showed the blood pressure to their friends like it's something great. Um, if you have that, you will enter the routine of someone. And when you enter the routine of someone, you, you will get ton of data because you will want to use the device and you will want to use the data. Uh, if I take the example of scale, for example, so 50% of the scale we sold 10 years ago are still being used, which is uh, amazing in the high tech world. And we have on average 180 uh, weight measurements per year per user, meaning that our users are waiting every two days. Uh, so, so I think that this shows that we kind of change the behavior on saying that it's okay to, to monitor either your weight or either a potential disease. And it's actually important and you should do it. And, and you, you, you will have lots of insight in the application that we, 
will motivate you to do to 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 measure it once again the next day or the the, the day after. Design is really important, uh, and we I, I think that Apple, for example, understood that as well. Uh, if if you want to, to to have your device used, you need to be enticing. You need to kind of be proud of using your device, uh, and I think it's it's great to be able to to do that in the medical field because. When you think about health or the medical, you always think about the whole blood pressure of your doctor that is kind of scaring, uh, the, the, the whole scale of your doctor or medical equipment at the hospital where, where you, you are always stressed to use those devices. And I think that being happy to, to use a health device is kind of a, a breakthrough that helps us getting all those data. So how many designers do you have in the company? So the design is almost the only thing that we outsource. Uh, but we outsource that to a company called Helium Studio, a, a Paris-based company that we have been working with from the beginning, 10 years ago. And then we have a designer in-house uh, for every other aspect than the... Um, than the, the product. I think that what's great with the, 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 the way we work with the Helium Studio is that we don't just say uh, build us a design. We put them in a room with our mechanical engineer, with our, in, uh, with our electronic engineer. So that way, both the technology and the design fit together. And I think that it's working well as of now. And this, this is one of the, the partners, the longest partner we had. And it's working well here. We talked a little bit before about how much do the users actually use the devices and gather data. Given that you have various products from the blood pressure, temperature, sleep apnea, uh, the smartwatch, are you doing also any research on the benefit of having combined data from all these devices, you know, because there's this idea that when we're going to have more health information about individual, we're going to get uh, more insight and more personalized health care. So I wonder if you already discovered anything worth mentioning. What we know is that most people that buy one of our products will, uh, will most likely buy another one for a combination. If you look at our devices, I, I will put temperature aside because temperature is kind of one thing measurement when, when you feel sick. But if you look at chronic disease condition like hypertension, uh, obesity, sleep apnea, they all kind of overlap. If you are obese, uh, you are more at risk for hypertension, you are more at risk for sleep apnea. If you are obese, it's important for you to increase your activity and hence a better sleep. So we are not doing medical devices that doesn't fit each other. I think it's, it's a good combination whenever you want to monitor your health. And I think that our users understood that. Do you incentivize your users to look at other products that you offer as well? You know, do you have like any discounts for the uh, customers that already bought one device? Not necessarily, though as they are in our database, they are aware whenever we do a Black Friday promotion, for example. So we have good conversion rates uh, during the, those kind of period. Uh, but I think that once you are in the WeSync's environment with the application, you can also see all the other data you could track that would uh, be meaningful considering that you are already tracking some type of data. So yeah, and once again, the best way to convert someone is to for him to enjoy the first device he's, he's using and then he, the user will, 
we'll see the broader picture of other elements of, of his health he could track. And if you did a great job with the first devices, uh, he will most likely want to look into another one. Uh, one thing that I'm really curious to hear about is also uh, the differences that you are noticing between France and the US. So you were founded in France. Uh, the company is based in Paris, but also in the US, obviously, it's a good market to go to for uh, these kinds of devices. So what kind of differences are you noticing in terms of consumers, in terms of how easy it is to find customers in the B2B segment? Are you also looking at health insurances? On the consumer market, we don't see much difference. I think that the only difference we see is that the European market uh, likes the watch more than the US. I think that in the US, we are still into uh, more of a tracker kind of market, more than watch market outside of the Apple Watch. Otherwise, scales, blood pressure, it's, it's higher in the US than in Europe as well. On the B2B side, we can clearly see that The digitalization mindset is far advanced in the US than it is in Europe. Uh, I'd say two to three years. We can see that the government is pushing for digitalizing lots of program, lot of healthcare program for uh, diabetes prevention program, hypertension monitoring program, uh, weight loss program. So, so we, 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 can, we can clearly see that it's in advance just by the number of contact we get coming from US companies. And I think that we also get a lot of contact from French or German or from the UK as well. But it's like it's it's more, um, they are interested, but I think that everything is not in place yet for it to be easy uh, to integrate. While in the US, with the, the rise of technology that we all know coming from the US, uh, an hospital understand uh, how to plug himself to an API. An hospital will have an application. A healthcare program will have an application, a supply chain. So uh, I think that everyone is willing to move toward that direction. The US, the US market is just is just more ready, both because the government is pushing for it to happen, but also because tech is pretty much everywhere, even in the medical field. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering if you are also being approached by any employers or health insurances that offer prevention programs for their insured to uh, help them with preventative measures and staying healthy, which ends up in uh, lower healthcare costs. So yeah, yeah, we do. We, we are getting approached by the, the major insurer or, or, uh, in the US or the, the enterprise. We offer them our devices for their insurance. For sure. But I think that we, we are more willing to go through healthcare programs like uh, programs with coaches uh, that are working directly with those insurers and employers uh, and, and for them to use our devices because we want to stay at our place. We want to be provider of medical data, but we don't want to be the doctor. We don't want to be the coach. I think it's another kind of work. And I think that if we want to do our job well, we need to, to focus on one thing. And this thing is to, to provide the relevant person with, with uh, profound medical data. So we would, we will rather work with uh, healthcare programs that work directly with insurers and provide them the data rather than the insurer directly. 
So you have uh, interesting times ahead of you, or maybe a better way of saying it would be that you've got quite a road ahead of you with the recent funding round that was uh, successfully done. What are your plans, you know, for for the next few years and expectations in regards to how the digital health uh, market is going to develop further in your specific field of wearable and IoT devices? I think that the, 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 the healthcare market is, is totally untapped right now. Uh, I think it's starting to be digitalized and I think that uh, it will take four to five years to be, uh, to be saturated. So we have a lot of work to do uh, by then. Uh, I also think that we are at the beginning of what we can track in terms of health through connected devices. So, so a part of the fundraising will be dedicated to uh, kind of build a new generation of devices that will go further into the number of data we are able to retrieve. So yeah, I, I see those two things. First, the market itself that is expanding like crazy because it's it's kind of a new thing and, and, and everyone is realizing how important it is. And I think our the second part of our role is to make sure that we keep our advance, that we work with those B2B players that are not only buying our device, but also requesting new features, new biomarkers to develop. And, and we need to cope with that. And, and we need to keep our advance by, by not only thinking about selling our existing line of device to new players, but also to anticipate the need of those new players in order in two, three, four years to, to come up with a, a larger amount of medical data in order to cover more and more uh, potential disease. You've been listening to Faces of Digital Health. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review. Doing so finally got easy. Just go to www.lovethepodcast.com slash Faces of Digital Health and you will be redirected to the platform appropriate for your device. The link is also in the show notes. Stay tuned.